thank you so much for joining us today. Can you believe it? We are almost at the end of the month, and you are with the MMPC, excuse me, MMSDC Design Series Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful selection of people that are going to be with us from the Council of Supplier Diversity Professionals. So I would like to welcome everyone. Um, so this is our first time where we've had more than one person in the studio, which is completely phenomenal, and get to have a group conversation about what supplier diversity means um, to the community in multiple industries and even find out a little bit of what's going on in the supplier diversity community because you know everybody has different views so we are so excited to have to my right Eric to my left Brenda and to my far left Ken so I'll actually let them properly introduce themselves because um, the design series is designed so that you can have the behind the scenes conversations with MMSDC that oftentimes you don't get a chance to listen to great stories great communication and hope to learn something new because every podcast I seem to learn something new and I feel it's it's so awesome because I know you guys in different capacities and every time we have a conversation I'm always you know either floored or mouth is hanging wide open because I had no idea so I'm pretty sure uh, I'll be having that same experience today so welcome everyone thank you so we will open up and get right to it so we can jump into the uh, meat and potatoes, as I like to call it, of the conversation. But introductions are a must. So we'll start to my right with Eric. Eric, tell us who you are. Who I am. Eric Glenn. I'm with PPG. Uh, I'm supplier diversity, the corporate supplier diversity manager for PPG. And I've been with the company for uh, almost 21 years now. And uh, PPG is uh, the largest coatings company in the world. I like to say if it moves, we paint it. If it doesn't move, we paint it. So my job as supplier diversity manager is to uh, tie all of our business units and their objectives together under one umbrella. Okay. And to my right. Oh, excuse me, to my left. That's, that's your other right. <laughs> right, to my other right, oh, also known as my left. <laughs> we have Brenda. Well, hello, and thank you so much, Katrina, for having us here. Uh, my name is Brenda Marshall, and I am the Principal and Senior Director for Global Diversity Solutions at Kelly Services. And for anyone who does not know who Kelly Services is, uh, quite simply, we put people to work in ways that enrich their lives every day. And we are a global workforce solution company, providing everything from temporary to permanent placement to outsourcing and consulting services. We are a global footprint. We're actually a Detroit-based company. Yes. Over 70 years, years old, headquarters in Troy, Michigan. And we are so excited to be here. So, you know, before we go to Ken, just a quick little, those little things, being a Detroit-based company. When I was in high school, I actually knew, like, Kelly Services, it, no, my first job was actually a kid's footlocker, but my first professional job was actually, I believe, through Kelly Services. I was like a stock, uh, a, uh, um, a mail clerk. Wonderful. And I, I may still have my old, like, Kelly check stuff yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> randomly. And, and so you know what that makes you, right? That makes you a Kelly alumni. <gasps> I, actually, I am. That is so true. I did work through Kelly Services at one point in my life. I'm almost um, for certain I was in high place school. We place over 500,000 people globally every single year. Oh, wow. We provide work opportunities. But the key for me, uh, I've been with Kelly 20 years and managing our diversity initiative for 15 of those 20 years. Okay. But the key is I've never gone anywhere that someone does not have a Kelly story because we truly impact lives, i.e. our mission is to 
put people to work, connect talent to the world of work in ways that enrich their lives. And that's what we do. So thank you for Yes, I raised my hand. We just learned I'm a Kelly alumni. (laughs) And next to Brenda, we have Ken. Thank you, Katrina. Um, I'm Ken Doherty. I'm with Wayne State University. Been with Wayne State for the last 24 years. Okay. Um, Wayne State is, you know, one of three major research institutions in the state of Michigan. We have some 27,000 plus students. Uh, We have over 200,000 living alumni a very significant portion of which are working here in Southeast Michigan. Um, So if you look at what our mission is at Wayne State, um, in addition to preparing students for success, it's to um, create and further knowledge. Uh, I've I've been involved in supplier diversity even before I came to Wayne State. So I remember the first MMPC, or one of the very first, when it was at the Book Cadillac down on Washington mm-hmm. Avenue. Um, not sure if that was the first one, but it's pretty close. I wasn't born. And I have been involved in supplier diversity ever since. Ever since. So, okay, see, learn something new right there. Well, that is wonderful. Thank you all for the warm introduction. So, number one, I. Again, so honored to have you all here um, several months ago or late last year, fall. You know, I had the opportunity to come speak to the group. And again, I had never interacted with you all as a group and, you know, your own circle. Of course, MMSDC definitely being, you know, the anchor for supplier diversity in all industries and community. But to be with you all collectively, it was different, you know, and it put me in a space of those conversations that you all have as colleagues to move supplier diversity along and what matters and and really what what industries and people should be talking about so Brenda you are are you the chair yes okay so you are the chair so let's start there of how did you become involved in CSDP and how did you become the chair well I joined CSDP as I said I've been in my role in managing diversity for 15 years and I got involved with CSDP right at the forefront my predecessor uh, was a part of Council of Supplier Diverse Professionals. And so when I transitioned into the role, she introduced me to the organization. I went to a meeting and clearly realized from out the gate, this is where I need to be. Okay. And the reason is, is because the Council, I'll backtrack, the Council of Supplier Diverse Professionals is a professional services organization geared that was established in 1998 by a group of local supplier diversity, corporate supplier diversity uh, practitioners who needed an avenue to say, what's going on in our industry? What are the trends? What are best practices? How can we collaborate to be more effective professionally and personally? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, there's no higher education learned to be a supplier diversity professional. Did not know about supplier diversity until I came into this world. (laughs) That was only six years ago. (laughs) So (laughs) they had the foresight to recognize that we needed sort of our own resource group. Right. And while all of us are members of Michigan Minority Supplier Development Council, NMSDC, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, So this organization is forced by us, and it's not just focused on the latest and greatest around supplier diversity, Mm -hmm. but it's also on our personal growth and development, because the reality is the stronger we are, the more knowledgeable we are, the more effective we can be and successful in managing our diversity programs for organizations. Okay, and how about you, Eric? How did you come into the fold with the organization itself? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'll give you a little bit of background on um, how I came into supplier diversity or giving back to the community. Actually, when I was a kid, I never understood it, but my dad always wanted to do business with people in the neighborhood. Oh, you know, if he needed okay. to get his car repaired, he wasn't going back to the dealership. He was going to the local guy, you know, in the community mm-hmm. to uh, give back. And that's sort of where my interest started. Um, but I got uh, involved in supplier diversity probably in my third or fourth year at PPG. Okay. When we used to have the uh, Oakland County Roundtable, I was involved there. And um, the gentleman who was a supplier diversity manager prior to myself retired, and then I stepped up into this role. Um, so far as my interaction with CSDP, that actually took place somewhere between 10 and 15 years. We don't know how long our membership has been. <laughs> but uh, Vicki Piner of Lear Corporation and uh, Jackie Jackson of Wallbridge, two uh, very wonderful people, within a day of each other, you said, hey, Eric, you got to get into this group, CSDP. And uh, I've been in ever since. And uh, like we say, it's a family. So I love it. We learn a lot from each other. That's true. That That is very true. I think you guys as supplier diversity professionals facilitate that family environment that is seen throughout the conferences and organizations, again, because you're the anchor of MMPC, of course, people looking to figure out how they can do business. But, you know, it's, again, these opportunities where you don't think about the nuances and the little things in the background that bring it together. Now, Ken, how long have you been a part of CDSP? CSDP. Yes, let me get it right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that I've been a member since 2005, although it gets a little bit fuzzy when we go back that far in time. Okay. <laughs> um, the way that we got involved is in my current role, I was preceded by a woman by the name of Joan Gossman. Okay. And Joan had an absolute passion for supplier diversity. Um, over the years, when she was in that role, uh, she was involved in several panel discussions at the MMPC and other okay. events. So um, it was either 2005 or 2006, CSTP had an opportunity similar to this year where on Professional Development Day, the council itself had a professional development activity. Okay. So we chose to participate in that as one of the things that we did on that Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, Kenneth Gardner was very, very aggressive in terms of getting people to fill out applications and sign applications. And and we got right in line and filled out those applications. We've been involved ever since. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. You know, we have a saying in in CSTP that anyone that's been over 10 years, we just go 10 plus. (laughs) There we go. No one can keep Keep track, but actually, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary. Um, oh, now are you guys doing something special, Brenda? Yes, it's in the making, and okay. you, will, you will find out. Okay, I want to be a part. Um, and, I don't and know. I Look, I don't know how and what capacity. I just come. You will certainly have an invitation. <laughs> um, but what it is, we want to celebrate the past as as well as the present, and certainly uh, look forward to the future. And today, our membership is over 60 corporate diversity professionals. Okay, that represent multiple industries, so everything from finance to higher ed to manufacturing to professional services, to healthcare, et cetera. So we feel, the members of the Council of Supply Diversity Professional, we feel that we sort of set the gold standard for what diversity professionals are and what it should be within our practice. I agree because there is a gold standard as I, you know, over the last several years had the opportunity to be intricately involved in multiple capacities. And again, 
I remember the first meeting I attended, it was, you know, you guys were talking or I think it was your general meeting. It was just being held, you know, through MM, MMPC at the time. And I remember walking in and seeing everybody. I was like, wait, this is everybody in here that makes a decision. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, you know, of course, capture the room and was uh, participating in social media. But you know how you have those moments where you can look across and look at people and know that, okay, this is important. Something is happening. And I need to pay attention a little bit more, you know, heavily. And I did. I actually had that moment where I realized and it was for some of the people that were from out of state that were also coming in to participate from out of town and met some great people there. So since you guys are the gold standard and, of course, establishing what's hot and what's not in diversity and the topics, let's talk about let's get right into it. What are some of the issues and challenges the organization is trying to handle? You guys are in multiple industries, so I know you're seeing everything across the gamut. What are those things right now in 2018, you know, when MMPC uh, and people are coming out trying to tag you all and have conversations, of course, to be a part of uh, do business with you all. But what what is really hot? What really needs to be addressed that you believe your organization is helping to push forward the, um, the conversation? Well, I would start and please, my colleagues chime in. Um, I would start with saying making sure that we're relevant. Okay. And when I say relevant, um, as you know, diversity is not new, particularly in the U- U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And it's been around for over 30 years. But the key is in any business initiative, you're judged by your contribution. True. And as diversity professionals, you know, there's a phrase that's been coined, we're change agents. But change agents mean to me that what impact are we having to organizations? Why is diversity relevant, why does it matter, and why should corporations be investing mm-hmm. in diversity? And so while we know the business case for diversity, we understand um, why it's important to be inclusive. We know that inclusion drives innovation, innovation drives growth. So you can connect the dots very clearly. But what we find is that what's going on, the external factors in the marketplace, the current political climate, oh, you know, yes. in a day and age where organizations are being lean and mean Mm -hmm. you know uh, competition is fierce more fierce than it's ever been before Mm -hmm. supply chains are optimizing cutting back and yet we're asked to grow our diversity spin and it's not just grow the spin but the quality of the spin so we try to bring in resources we have outside guests we share uh, strategies if someone has a best practice they found to be very effective Um, if we talk about um, climate uh, changes evolution globalization, what it means within the Americas, the U.S., what it means outside of the U.S., anything that impacts our profession and as practitioners that allow us to be stronger, to understand um, how to position. If you're going in to present to your C-suite, that's Mm -hmm. a different conversation than when you're talking to your plan operations manager. Right. You know, what are some tips and tools that we can have? And also, not just the um, trends, but um, some of the challenges, some of the roadblocks. You know, I often say that diversity is probably one of the few professions that you're always trying to substantiate your value. I don't care how many awards you win. I don't care how long your program has been in existence. We're always challenged with how do we demonstrate the value to the bottom line? And so I think in, in meeting with our colleagues in our meetings, we've said that success is based on metrics. Yeah, And totally. you cannot get around it. And then also you have to start looking at the new wave of diversity. You hear very much diversity and inclusion. 
because diversity is a fact, it's who you are, it's our differences, you know, ethnicity, age, gender, whatever, but inclusion is the engagement, what you do with it. And so we just try to stay relevant and we also try to stay ahead of the curve on what are the trends that are coming externally as well as internally that are impacting our profession and how can we be more effective in driving that value, that contribution to the bottom line so that we're relevant to what your organization's objectives are going forward. And please feel free to chime in. Yeah, can please. I'm pretty hard to add to what Brenda has just said there. In fact, when I look at some of the reasons that I'm a member of CSTP, it's because I just like to be near you know, wisdom like that because it rubs off a little bit. Believe me, Brenda Brenda keeps it together. We know that. No, (laughs) you're very kind, but I always say it comes with experience. Maybe I'm dating myself. (laughs) You know, worker bee, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, as as Brenda had said, one of the things that is a challenge in the supplier diversity realm is as we begin to um, become more of a global proposition with supplier diversity. Diversity in North America, or even in the United States, is different than diversity in Mexico. Is certainly different than what it would be in other parts of the world. What does that look like dealing with students? You know, you guys are in the business of education and population of students. I went to college in Florida. I'll never forget. I was walking through the liberal arts hall, and I saw a brochure for Wayne, brochure for Wayne State. I was like, what? Wayne State? Really? So you don't think about it in that capacity when you the university is local and normal to you, but what does that diversity look looks like in terms of education-wise? Because I don't think oftentimes we look at it from that lane. I can tell you one thing. I can tell you our Board of Governors and our enrollment and our registration people spend a significant amount of time looking at our diverse student population. Okay. We are actually one of the most diverse universities in the entire nation. Really? Yeah, and and we have stats to prove it. In fact, on an annual basis, a report is put together and submitted to the Board of Governors. It's called our Affirmative Action Status Report, or Mm -hmm. AASR. Um, have the privilege of having about four pages, four to six pages of that dedicated to our supplier diversity. So okay. I'm always in touch with that. But we know our demographics for our student population based upon gender, based upon race, based upon ethnicity, based upon sexual preference, um, upwards, downwards, backwards, and forwards. Um, and, and we have all that in spite of the fact that Michigan Constitution does not allow any state university to accept people into their um, programs or into their university based upon any of those factors, race, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, and so on. Oh, wow. Okay. And how about for you, uh, Eric, you know, being at see, these are the little things. These are behind the conver- behind the scenes conversations. You think about, we know about staffing, you know, you're used to hearing that. You're he- used to, you know, participating in education. These are topics that we constantly hear, you know, all the time in reference in the, let's say, mainstream media. No one talks about all the paint that covers the world. <laughs> but it's true. It's so many businesses and opportunities and industries that exist, as you just said, number one global coding, coding um, supplier in the world, correct? That's so correct. I can only imagine, is coding different in Australia than it is here in Michigan or in North America? And what are those challenges? What does that look like? Yeah, I'd say uh, the coatings themselves, if you're talking about the chemistry, it's the same pretty much everywhere. Um, But challenges for our industry, and I'll I'll talk specifically about challenges in the supplier diversity uh, space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brenda alluded to this. I mean, we're talking about our current political climate. Uh, You know, 
when things changed a year or so ago, I was like, oh my goodness, the clock's turning back 30 years. What are, What is our job going to look like? What are our duties going to be to try to continue to further supplier diversity? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things I see, it's kind of a generational thing. We're seeing a lot of the companies that are owned by boomers that are either woman-owned, minority-owned, or veteran-owned. Oh. They're selling off, and they don't care who they're selling to. I mean, and I wouldn't either, I guess, if I were retiring, but the dollar's green. Mm-hmm. And it's happening across industries. I know Ken and Brenda are seeing this as well, but uh, what we do with our vendors is every year we want to make sure that they've been recertified and when we ask for their certificates, we usually find out then that they're no longer a diverse company. So that's kind of an invisible challenge that we don't see because oh, we wow. can't get ahead of it. So that's significant for um, us being able to continue to grow this program. Oh, wow. You know, um, just had the opportunity to have um, Joe Anderson's, one of his protégés, actually on. And that was, you know, part of his actually business model was in relation to being able to spin off companies and have those companies still retain their minority, you know, certification or their ownership and and continue to empower, I believe, and and. it's kind of emerged in a couple of different ways when it comes to supplier diversity and procurement and, you know, who owns the businesses. Um, this separation and gap of probably from my generation below, and like you said, of being able to take over these businesses, I almost feel like I was raised to not even, be- I'm not going to say not believe that I could take it over, but if my mom or my dad didn't start it, we're not even raised to even believe to look at other small businesses or businesses and say Mm. is it an opportunity for us to acquire that was uh bill um bill was on last bill was on last week right yeah i believe last week and yeah two weeks ago and i was in amazement i had no idea that bill acquired the marketing company through him just being an employee and he was like it happened i just i was like what <laughs> and you know but but that conversation definitely needs to be an anchor within the community of small business owners letting other corporate excuse me other the business community know that hey i eventually want to be bought out uh, last time i checked i'm not going to live forever nor do i want to work forever and if your kids don't want it if you know it maybe even if the industry is dying you know, such as I can I can't imagine who used to work in, you know, the Kodak who used to who were the suppliers to Kodak, yes, right. you know, different things like that. So as the industry changes and emerges, how do you handle that? So we'll we'll put that as a supplier diversity uh, uh, table topic of acquisition of companies. You know, you guys, being, you know, you guys, like you said, you actually know. You go for the certification and ask them, and they're like, "Oh no, we're not minority supply, minority owned." Or have you guys experienced where people think that they're minority owned, or they should be minority certified, and then you're like, "No, you don't qualify." Of course. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We run into companies all the time that, you know, they may be owned by either a minority or woman, but they may not have the infrastructure or their governance model may not be correct for them to be certified. And generally, it requires that, that individual or the individuals that are. 51 percent or greater uh, ownership are involved in the business itself so yeah we run into that a lot you know I, I think if you don't mind the conversation is very interesting because when you think about it the fastest way to growth as a business is through mergers and acquisitions yes it is yet at the same time when it comes to diversity they're penalized when they want to grow so investors is the way 
to capitalism. It's the way to grow your business if you want to get to the next level or if you just want to sell it off, and yet you lose your diverse classification. So I think, you know, again, that's something, as you said, as a diverse professional, we see all parts. It's a multi-pronged approach, and we see all aspects of business. I think it's one of the few professions that we literally have a lens and get eyesight into how businesses operate from the front end to the, all the way to the back. Mm. So actually, it's, it's a value add, but it also increases the challenges because it's so much bigger than just identifying a diverse company, validating their certification, and counting their spend. There's so much that happens, much more than that, if you're really going to have that impact and remain relevant where you're driving value back to your organization. So let me ask you guys, because you, again, you're able to sit from that vantage point of front you know, to back, we're able to see the entire chain, understand probably where certain procurement needs to happen in different places for different industry, the whole, you know, shot. The other challenge is people coming to the workforce who really don't even understand supplier diversity. You know, every three to five years, the workforce ultimately, if you stay in a position, is changing. So I had a conversation um, with a potential client, actually, and they were saying, well, my buyer you know, we they do X, Y, and Z. And I asked him, I said, will they be your buyer in the next three to five years? Probably not. And he stopped. He said, you're right. I'm like, the people who oftentimes exist in those positions, that's a transition position in a professional growth, you know, situation. How do you all handle that ongoing constant, as you said, justification of the value if you don't even understand it? Because now it's, it's almost like you have to start over from scratch. It's like we uh, we thought we had the conversation. I thought you went to school. I thought we were in college, but nope. We are all the way back in ninth grade. So understanding and, and cultivating a culture or just people where you don't have to constantly start over from scratch of understanding the value of who you are outside and it's outside of the transactional part part you're always going to end up with metrics but you don't get champions you know within organizations only based on metrics you, you get champions because of the non uh the non-metrics the the interpersonal things that occur that help everyone's life but oftentimes they can be looked over and they contributed your success actually gets sucked up by someone else (laughs) (laughs) and we know that happens well you know Katrina we were talking about our children before we were on the air and I have a 17 year old daughter one of the things that I say about that generation is that they probably have um they're more open to diversity because they've grown up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably less um, polarized than some of the older generations. So I think as we're looking at supplier diversity professionals themselves coming into our jobs as we move along, I think it'll be easier for them to understand. But I think the key metric that I'm definitely trying to drive toward too with my company is what is the economic impact of what you're doing? The companies that we're spending money with, what happens to that dollar after we give it to um, you know their their uh, boss or their their uh, accounts receivable people. You know how many people are they employing of uh, uh, ethnicity or, or or that are women or veterans. You know what is the economic impact of that? And I think that's the really important key to uh, supplier diversity. We need to sell. Okay, what do you think, Ken? 
I'm kind of in a unique position at Wayne State because what we're talking about here is what you what happens when you have that natural transition. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier that I had 24 years, and I have three buyers who exceed my time at Wayne State. One of them is celebrating their 30th anniversary. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's, them, that is unique. All of them are 15 years or better. Okay. And every one of them has been involved every single year at the MMPC. We sent oh, wow. conferences. Okay. Um, so I don't have that unique challenge. However, and most of them are a little bit younger than me, so it could very well be that that same cohesive group will be together for another seven or eight years. Okay. So we will collectively begin to start thinking about what transition to will be like to the generation that comes behind us. We just haven't had to meet that yet. Oh, wow. Okay, that is. But, but you know, that that turns into advantage point for you in terms of guidance and how do you um, develop a process or even a culture of maybe the turnover is not what it is. I believe, to be honest with you, um, from understanding how the, you know, procurement and people in these roles sometimes are actually um, – suggested that they move around for various reasons when they honestly want to stay they want to be in this space but because of the bigger giant of what it is it's like no you can't stay so even the culture of that um allowing you know someone to take root i get it because you do want to grow but you know it's a very unique space even though in my mind (laughs) i participated in you know multiple capacities and don't necessarily have an actual role everyone i touch you know i I get so many great stories from it so well we've opened up with a great conversation understanding who the council for wait let me get it right council for supplier professional supplier supplier diversity professionals (laughs) Let's just say I have a lot of acronyms that yes, I keep up right, with. <laughs> right. We understand. But, however, CSDP today is here with MMSDC at the Design Series Podcast. We're actually going to take a quick break, pay a couple of bills, listen to a few commercials, and we look forward to coming back and talk about MMPC and how they believe they are going to impact it this year, participate, and just actually some tips for MBEs to maybe join the organization and also work the trade show. So we will be back in a moment. Thank you. Thank you. To committed corporations, a network of ambitious and like-minded entrepreneurs, and the opportunity to grow your business exponentially. This is the Michigan Minority Supplier Development Council. I'm Michelle Suri Robinson, President and CEO of the Michigan Minority Supplier Development Council. The MMSDC is amongst the largest of the regional affiliate councils in the network, serving more than 1,000 minority business enterprises and 300 corporate members. At our core, the MMSDC does four things. We certify minority-owned businesses and ensure that these businesses are truly minority-owned, operated, and controlled. We develop MBEs to take on new opportunities, and we help to develop corporate supplier diversity programs across the state of Michigan. We connect minority entrepreneurs with corporate buyers, advocates, and executives, as well as with each other, to maximize the opportunities available to our constituent base. And we also advocate on behalf of the interests of minority entrepreneurs on a local, state, and national level. The MMSDC is always developing new ways to push minority business enterprises to the next level.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have the wonderful Council of Supplier Diversity Professionals in with us this afternoon telling us their history. What are some of the challenges right now in supplier diversity? And we're actually going to learn a little bit more about them and specifically surrounding MMPC. We all have veterans in the building with wonderful experience, not only in their uh, diverse fields, but also with Michigan Minority Supplier Development Council as a whole and also the MMPC, the largest trade show, one of the largest professional business trade shows in North America. This year, it will be held March, excuse me, March, uh, May 8th through the 10th at Cobo Center. So a couple of things we wanted to open up with. Number one, let's talk about C. As, see, this is the behind the scenes. tongue twister, right? <laughs> but after today, guess what? Who we'll never get it wrong? I'll never get it wrong today. Uh, CSDP. So, a couple of things. Let's talk about membership because actually, I had assumed, and I think because I was so excited, and I've been able to participate with you all. Tell us who was actually able to be a member, and and those members, whether MBE or corporate, how do you get involved, or how do you interact with the organization? Well, I'm gonna defer to. Eric because Eric happens to chair our membership committee so he can tell you and the, the member <laughs> and qualifications well. to be a member of the council of <laughs> yes membership I was, chair I was going to defer to to our uh, president about the fact that CSDP is for corporate uh, okay yeah. but uh, in order to be a member of CSDP you do have to be involved in supplier diversity that has to be one of your key roles with your corporation okay um, and you have to have at least been in that position for at least a year okay. to be involved. A lot of our membership is through word of mouth and referrals, just like I indicated with myself earlier. And that's actually been a good problem we had last year. So we're <laughs> growing really fast. Okay. And I'm actually heading a subcommittee right now to look at what our future growth is going to look like because we're trying to use as much technology as possible to you know, grow beyond where we're currently um, focused in the Michigan area. Now, now, even though, so great to know that this is for, you know, corporate or assist on that side of the um, profession of the industry. So tell us, is there any type of way um, right now that MBEs can interact with you? And if not, you know, that's fine. But just understanding, you know, how everyone kind of is connected. Well, not directly interacting with uh, CSDP, but I think what you'll find, like when you go to the award dinner uh, at mm -hmm. the end of the year with MMSDC, a lot of the people who are receiving those awards are members of CSDP. So yes, they are. They Brenda's have, a winner exactly. several times. <laughs> so they've probably interacted with Smallest us indirectly, way. not knowing they were uh, with a CSDP member. So, you know, our influence is there in the, in the multiple industries. Okay, so and birds I, of a feather flock together. Absolutely. And I would say, obviously, um, as I said, all the members of the council um, are very engaged in the outreach organizations, diverse organizations, mm -hmm. and so we interact on a consistent basis through the trade fairs, um, the networking events, the uh, professional development series. Uh, many of us will be sitting, uh, serving in different workshops on the uh, professional development day True. workshops, um, the matchmaker sessions. Again, if you just pan the room, you'll see probably 99% of CSDP members as well as other corporate represent, uh, corporations represented. So our focus obviously is uh, economic 
parity, job creation, and building strong communities. You know, that's the Mm -hmm. foundation of what we do. So interacting with our constituents, which are our partners, our minority business partners, Mm -hmm. is priority number one always. And we share also um, references, referrals with different MBEs someone may be working with if someone has a need. We have a hotline that we use if everyone's looking for a type of supplier. It goes out to all of the membership, which is a huge advantage that the minority businesses aren't even aware of that we can share it with each other for those bid opportunities and RFPs that they wouldn't even know about, but we can talk about it and share in different um, uh, segments of, of their now, business. Now, if, if no other time <laughs> in this podcast history, if you did not hear it here, Brenda just told you yes. they have their own hotline. Yes. <laughs> that is their that own, is as we would say, we have our own private group chat. Okay. (laughs) And guess what flies through those group chats? RFPs, bids, and referrals. Mm -hmm. This is the reason, you know, that MMSDC, of course, partners and wants to bring everything together. So many people just do not understand the power of relationship building. Even though for me, my favorite saying, networking is a recreational activity and I take much joy in it often. (laughs) But so often, you know, you get caught up in the business of running your business and you get in this little box and you think that it's only happening to me or I'm trying to get through this not understanding that probably nine times out of ten ten people are going through the same thing that you're going through or there are people professionals such as yourself that can provide guidance mentorship or just a referral uh, when Dwayne was here a couple of weeks ago he said that number one can you please just fill out the application and be in the portal Excellent. you know just the the basics of being able to be found to be able to be certified and qualified are such a huge um, beginning and I think oftentimes as diverse businesses um, you know not understanding that these support systems and structures you know exist just think that they have to do it all alone and let me be the first to tell you you do not because Lord knows I am very happy that I have not had to do it along do it alone at all and you know many of you have been my support indirectly directly you know in so many different ways so I'm a testament. <laughs> well, and I would also, I would like to add that I think you don't really, I think sometimes because, again, as, as the saying goes, you can't see the picture, you're in the frame, sort of Yes, speak. yes, And yes, we've yes. all heard that. But the reality is there's so much value in connections because I may not be able to use you. Kelly may not use your services, um, say, if you're an environmentalist or something. Mm-hmm. But guess what? My partner does. Right. He's a chemical-based company. Right. And so I can refer. And sometimes we don't realize how powerful the network is Mm -hmm. and it's it's important and I always we say to our suppliers often when you talk about networking and people have different theories on how to do it the appropriate way obviously whatever works for you is the appropriate way but what I would also say is that it's more important that people know who you are than you know them Right. Yes, because you're very right. as Dwayne said, you know, we stress to our suppliers all the time. And I know everyone, every corporation has the registration portal and they all say you go in a black hole. But if you're not in that hole, when the opportunity comes, I don't even know you exist. That's absolutely right. And so there is, unfortunately, you know, there's the transactional part and there's the process. There's steps that have to be taken. Mm-hmm. But please be clear if we don't emphasize anything else. Uh, Make sure that you have the visibility, the exposure. Even when we're talking about the MMPC coming up, you know, get to meet as many people as you can. You know, I always say the sign of a great salesperson is a better interviewer. Oh, 
because like when that. you can, you know, when you can ask questions, um, and what's important, top of mind to your targeted audience or your the people you want to do business with, guess what? They'll start asking you what they want to know. Mm-hmm. Then you get the opportunity to share who you are. But I, I just think that you know you have to make sure that you don't think it doesn't happen overnight, but building relationships, as you said, is paramount to anyone's success, I would say, across industries. So that goes directly into MMPC, our number one topic and what we're focused on at MMSDC right now and the design series. So excited to uh, definitely uh, actually host a podcast uh, series actually during the event. So we're ramping up for that and we're uh, on air publicly saying we definitely want you guys to be a part of that discussion. Um, I know we probably can get a full house that day (laughs) but definitely just wanted you know to have this type of casual you know just one-on-one type of conversation so tell us about mms excuse me mmpc michigan minority procurement conference how do you guys you know interact what what tips do you have um we are definitely looking at two different areas that is a focus for mmsdc young entrepreneurs series which are uh 25 to about 40 uh, maybe even about 45 uh, business owners who are not aware have not been exposed to this space in this world and now coming in being able to participate at MMPC for the first time and we want them to have a great experience so if you could provide any tips or you know just words of wisdom you know from each one of you what would that be well, I like to think of some of the stuff that Greg Cheesewright, who is a former member of the MMSDC, talks about when he talks about specifically preparing to work a trade show. Okay. And I think all of the people at CSDP um, emphasize that as well. Um, the preparation of the elevator speech, of course, is the first thing that you need to have with you when you walk into the MMPC. You have to decide which role you're going to play or if your company is going to play both roles. Because oh. You are either going to be hosting a booth and waiting for potential customers to come to you, or you're going to be walking walking the floor, floor mm-hmm. looking for opportunities. And you can't be in both spots at once. Those companies that are large enough, of course, they can they can work both. They can have some people manning the booth, some people out on the floor. But you have to sort of figure out what it is you're going to do because because you need to be impactful. The trade show itself is just a one day event even though the entire conference spans over three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to be respectful of people's time when you're at the trade fair. Um, there's just a lot of people, a lot of activity, and at a certain point after you've made that first connection, you need to realize that you need to have that, that interaction efficient so that you can make way for the person who's coming up behind you. So you're looking to, what I'm going to say here is pretty much true anytime a company calls upon a buyer, but if you're, in a, if you're a diverse supplier, this is a good tip to know. You need to really come across with what is your niche, what is your value op proposition. First thing I do when somebody tells me that they can do everything for me, they can do my promotionals, they can do my temporary staffing, is, is I kind of start looking over the shoulder at who's coming next. Yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. Or he sends them to somebody else's booth. Every right? time, yeah. every time. that ha- Now, that has been one of the most consistent statements. Know what you're doing. Know what your target. Know what your focus is because anything outside of that, it's like, oh, my God. And <laughs> there's, there's a couple things that just, you know, that – further exemplify that we all know that you get exactly one chance to make a first impression mm-hmm. so as a company first calling on a, a new potential customer you want that first job that first order that first contract to be a big success story 
So if you think mm -hmm. you're all things, which I don't think anybody can possibly be that, um, and that first contract is not your market strength, you're going to walk away not with the impression you want to have left. Mm. You really want to start with that sweet spot, and then you want that business relationship to grow. As Brenda had said, it's all about relationships. Any any business interaction between two companies is about relationships. Mm -hmm. So really starting out in the right spot and having that grow. And so bringing that back to the MMPC, know what that is. Search for that opportunity. You're gonna, if, you're, if you're at the trade fair, you have the potential to meet over 300 companies, I believe, this year. Mm -hmm. It's still growing. They're not all gonna be potential customers. So figure out who you wanna talk to and, and don't spend time with somebody who doesn't have a potential buying niche that's what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. How about you, Brenda? Um, to piggyback on what Ken said, I, again, it goes back to be prepared, first and foremost. Um, and then I would say, uh, hone up on your interview skills. You know, again, find out what's important to you, what's top of mind, what's, what's in your pipeline, what are pain points that you're having related to your goods and services that you provide. And then last but not least, stop selling and start connecting. Connecting, here connecting, <laughs> connecting. Because again, that's where the trust, mm -hmm. that's where the relationship begins. That's where you're someone that want they want to know more about. And believe it or not, corporations are looking for qualified, diverse companies to do business with. Because we all know that there's many industries and, and many categories that there aren't really qualified companies. Mm -hmm. Or they don't have the national footprint. Or oh. they don't have the infrastructure, the scalability. You know, there's a lot of challenges, but understanding what that is. What does my R&D look like? What's the latest and greatest in my company? Where are we investing dollars? That's an indicator to you, if I'm the supplier, of what types of goods and services we may need. Mm -hmm. The gig economy, we even talked about that technology. Mm -hmm. It's revolutionizing not, Everything. Only, not only work, but how work is getting done. Yes, yes, so, yes. again, what does that mean to me as a supplier based on my products and services and where do I fit in? So having those conversations, you gather through that interview process, you gather a lot of information and then you're connecting. I'm not selling to you, I'm connecting, and then collectively, hopefully I get invited back and we can have a conversation on how we can collaborate to provide a solution or add value. Mm. How about you, Eric? That was wonderful. Two, two, both of you guys, great, great points. I feel like, I feel like, you're look, I feel like you're preparing me again. I'm like, yes, I, have, know, I, I have to I, take all this in. I have to pause for a minute, Katrina. I'm smiling because it's not like we're so smart. I'd love to think that we are. But, you know, again, there are things that you learn in any profession. When you do it so long, you, you're an expert at what you do, and you learn, and you pick up skills of the trade and so that's we're just trying to share I guess and engage the knowledge that we've learned and hopefully if somebody can take a tip or two that it's worth it. Well actually you know you just gave me and I let you answer but here's what I just heard in my mind of positioning and growing a business and you know trying to figure it all out understanding that MMPC is structured you know a morning session and afternoon session well I've been very fortunate. I know how to work both. I've worked the floor and the table, you know, and I, I understand that and what what's required of that and why both are important and business objectives. But you know what? Do you know I've never, and even though it was, it was not for me, I wasn't the business owner at the time, but even my mind didn't necessarily go in this, quite this direction. Right now, as an independent and, you know, sole proprietor, um, I would actually be working the floor and, you know, this year I wouldn't have a booth, you know, and there's so many s small businesses who are just getting started. That's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I did not think 
was my morning would be would be about you know of course maybe that's my selling time Mm -hmm. and trying to get in but my afternoon time would be very specific on connecting the questions you just asked would actually be some of those questions to help me determine where I'm going to go because I may not really ever be able to google that there are certain closed informations you know everybody's not a public company that's the other part if you are not a public company you cannot find out certain information you actually have the opportunity to now work with businesses and ask the questions that you cannot find them anywhere else in two minutes versus two hours of your life researching trying to get these questions answered and be very specific in the next two years if i came to you with this line of business do you think I would be successful or should I interviewing yeah. and I you yeah. know and I I do those things naturally in all honesty it's just my natural personality right. but strategically and intentionally to say that now to help me position myself even for a year next year if my goal is to have a booth I know I'm gonna have to I'm hiring people actually for my company now and doing certain things okay a year from now who do I want to be what do I want to look like and how do I right. grow that and, and guess what you did most of all you've differentiated yourself mm-hmm. from the other 50 or so or 100 suppliers that have come to that booth at that time because now you have an interest in what's going on in my world. Mm. Just plain and simple, you've differentiated. And I'm going to remember you. So remember that company that came by that lady? Da, 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 you know, and, and, you know, because we're all human beings, but again, you, you set yourself apart because you're not coming saying, oh, you know, I do IT staffing and how do I get in your pipeline and I want to do business with you and blah, 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 blah. No, it's a whole different conversation. Entirely. So that might be one of three different conversations Absolutely. that you had again, today. Customize it. The key is it has to be relevant to who you are and as I said, what you provide. But I think it's having the conversation is the difference as opposed to selling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eric, what wonderful nugget do you have? Because golden, of look, golden nuggets are dropping everywhere around here. I got a here. couple of things Golden I'd eggs, like to share. golden goose eggs. Oh, They're yeah. here. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. My colleagues were very astute on that. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about emerging technology. That's one of the things. You know, Brenda mentioned IT staffing companies, and we get a plethora, a two-dollar word, of IT. And staffing companies coming to our booth, and you can only use so many. Mm-hmm. I'd say 15 years ago, there were a lot of janitorial companies, but that's you know, those are businesses that are low cost to entry, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't have the bricks and mortar, you don't have to have all the overhead for those types of companies. But what I would like to encourage a lot of MBEs to do is look at emerging technologies. We say this about uh, vendors that are involved in the automotive industry. A lot of those talents transfer over to aerospace. You know, they should be looking at aerospace. Oh, okay. Autonomous vehicles. vehicles. Mm-hmm. They're going to need some new stuff. You know, people, you need to look ahead at what's coming up. And don't be afraid to change what your company does. You know, if you know how to do business, you know how to do business. You know right? what, you're right. Don't be afraid exactly. to change what your company does. Change is uh, the only constant, right? hmm So, when we talk about trade shows, and, and Brenda and Ken have, have kind of hit on that already, know who your targets are, research the companies that you're going to interact with, and you can even do that right there at MNPC. We've got technology in our hands. I've got myself on my hand. <laughs> right. There's no reason why you can't go out on www.ppg.com and look at our website, find out what we do before you're that guy who says, well, what do you guys need? I can do it all. Know what that company does and know where you fit into their business. That's important. So what would you guys, uh, in terms of, uh, I would say the young entrepreneur, let's say anywhere from 28 to about 35, really, really just getting their feet wet, 
and you know truly trying to figure life out in more ways than one what will you all if you give have one tip one tip and we've kind of covered the genre of know what you're selling you know know what your pitch is something outside of kind of that the standard from the experience side what would it be that you guys would you know throw out there well i'll go first kelly services um was an entrepreneur russell kelly was an entrepreneur he was a sole proprietor one-man shop little storefront downtown detroit Listen to the voice of your customer. The key to a success back then, over 70 years ago, and today is listening to the voice of your customer. People will tell you what they need and what they want from you. Mm. So number one, listen. Let's just start there. People listen. (laughs) Well, you know, we always say as the kids, I would tell my kids, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there God you doesn't go. make mistakes. Right. Right. Use them accordingly. Right. So listen twice as much as you taught. That's right. Okay. How about you, Eric? What would you say to, to the young entrepreneur that is uh, trying to break through? Plain and simple, love what you do. Oh, absolutely. Because if you're doing it just to make money, if you're doing it for a job, you're, you're probably going to burn out somewhere. But love mm. what you do. Mm-hmm. Can't. Um, Do the market research, figure out where there is a demand. Make sure that what you are looking to provide is something that is the next hot topic or the the next hot demand or need by the customer base you think you can serve. And I think that's probably one of the biggest anchors. Like you said, there, www dot, you know, everything, period. You know, as I tell my children, um, my daughter... (laughs) and her math equations and I you know I tell her your mom did well in math but you know that was a long time ago did you google that and I mean word for word did you google that so you there is no reason that you cannot have certain information at your fingertips you're right if someone comes to your booth (laughs) and asks you what do you do I probably would shut down immediately. Oh, I'm sorry. I might be going to lunch right now. Like, your brain is going to shut down because there is no reason that you should not have certain information available to you because it is literally at your fingertips. That means five minutes to do a general check to be relevant in, in everything. It's, there's no excuse. It truly isn't. And guess what? In today's world of technology, we get that at least a dozen times at any conference you go to. Do you really? Show. Oh, yeah. What do you do? Oh, yeah. You ought to ask them, so what do you do? Why, just, are, you, why are you smile. here? What I do you smile buy? and pause. <laughs> oh, what do you buy? What do you buy is the question. Oh, okay. That's a, no, that's a new one. <laughs> Which means I haven't spent time figuring out even why they should be walking up to my booth. Yes. And in your mind, you're saying, why are you here? Exactly. <laughs> well, we have had a wonderful conversation conversation today with MMSDC's design series. We're so excited to bring to you our wonderful Council of Supplier Diversity Professionals. If you do not did not know, now you know that there is an entire professional organization dedicated to making sure the profession of supplier diversity is one that is collective, moving towards things that are important and also on the cusp of technology to help move companies forward. So number one, I want to thank you so much, Ken, Brenda, and Eric. Thank you, Katrina. Thank I'm you. so Thank glad you to much. have you guys here, and uh, we look forward to having you hopefully at MMPC to have another conversation. Please join us again every Tuesday from 1.30 to 2.30, um, where we have wonderful conversations about what happens behind the scenes at MMSDC and what's important for you to know as an entrepreneur or as a corporation. We will talk to you next week. And again, MMS, MMPC, May 8th through the 10th, 2018. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.